and welcome to another Tea Break Myth podcast. I'm Emily. And I'm Gemma. In this podcast, we are talking about the Vestal Virgins. The Vestals were the priestesses of the Roman goddess Vesta, who served as Rome's, quote, sacred hearth and flame. Okay, so tell us about them. The Vestals are believed to date back to the 7th century BC. The order consisted of six priestesses representing the daughters of the royal houses who were chosen to serve by the Pontifex Maximus, which means high priest, and were required to serve for 30 years, which was divided into three decade-long periods during which Vestals were respectively students, servants and teachers. They were supervised by a senior Vestal who was also chosen and governed by the Pontifex Maximus. They would wear a white tunic and headdress with their hair tied back with red and white ribbons, with the red representing their fire and the white their virginity. When travelling outside the temple, performing public rites or offering sacrifices, they would wear white veils that were trimmed with purple. They functioned as, quote, surrogate housekeepers in a religious sense for all of Rome and maintaining and controlling the connections between Rome's public and private religion. Okay, so uh, sounds quite interesting. So who could apply to join? So to be considered a candidate, they had to be aged between six and ten years old, be the freeborn daughter of freeborn and respectable parents who were both alive, and be free of physical, moral and mental defects. Later, the application form was extended to the daughters of freed men, and in the mid-Republic era, candidates were selected by the high priest from around 20 candidates in a ceremony known as Capito, which took place in front of their families and other Roman citizens. Why did they expand who could apply then? Well, over time it became harder to find those willing to commit their daughters to 30 years as a bestial when she could be used to make advantageous marriages. I mean, that's fair. 30 years is a long time. So why would women want to be chosen for this role? Well, it definitely had its perks. Those chosen enjoyed many honours and privileges not open to married or single women of equivalent social status. Now, this included emancipation from their father's rule, the ability to handle their own property. They could also make their own wills and were allowed to give their properties for women, something that even men were not allowed to do under Roman law at that time. And from the time of Augustus, they had reserved ringside seating at public games, gladiator contests, as stage side seat for theatrical performances. I mean, applying just for the stage side seats. So what happened once these women were chosen? When selected, the high priest would point to them and say, quote, I take you, beloved, to be a vestal priestess who will carry out sacred rites, which it is the law for a vestal priestess to perform on behalf of the Roman people on the same terms as her who was a vestal on the best of terms. From the moment they arrived in the ancient Avestus temple, they were under the goddess's service and protection. What do we know about their day-to-day life? They lived in the house of the Vestal Virgins on the Roman Forum near the temple of Vesta, and their work and morals were overseen by the Vestials Maxima. They were required to keep a vow of chastity. The temple was essentially the temple of all Rome and its citizens, and as such was open day and night to female citizens of Rome. Men, however, were not allowed to enter the temple. Their duties included tending the perpetual fire within the temple, fetching water from the sacred spring, preparing ritualistic food, caring for objects in the temple's inner sanctuary, officiating the Vestala festival, which ran between the seventh, which ran between the seventh and the fifteenth of June. 
They were also responsible for guarding various sacred objects, including the Paladin, which was a statue of Athene, which had supposedly been bought from Troy, and a large wooden phallus used for fertility rites. I mean, of course. Why why wouldn't that be part of it? Doesn't everyone own a statue of Athena and a phallus? I mean, I know I do. So what had they messed up? If a festival allowed the sacred fire to go out, they were punished with whipping. If they broke their vow of chastity, they were sentenced to a living burial, i.e. being buried alive, as it was forbidden to spill their blood. Their sexual partners, if known, were publicly beaten to death. However, this was very rare, and most festivals retired with a generous pension and universal respect. So what happened if one of the festivals died whilst still doing their 30-year service? As it was believed that a vessel's flesh belonged to Rome, their bodies remained within the city's boundary no matter the cause of death. If a replacement was needed, then potential candidates would be presented to the chief vessel who would select the most virtuous. Those being considered as replacements didn't have to be young or even virgins. They could be young widows or even divorcees, although that was thought unlucky and was frowned upon. So they've managed to get through their 30 years what happens? Vessels by this time were typically in their late 30s, early 40s when they retired and they did so with a state pension and those who wished were allowed to marry. Getting married, however, was quite rare. Paul Tark claims that, quote, few have welcomed the indulgence and that those who did so were not happy but were a prey to the repentance and dejection for the rest of their lives, thereby inspiring the rest with superstitious fears so that until old age and death they remained steadfast in their virginity. Um, some even chose to renew their vows and remain a vestal for life. I mean, they sound really important, Roman society, so did they actually have any power? They were an influential priesthood. For example, they successfully interceded on behalf of Caesar when he was banned by Sulla and got him a pardon. They could free or pardon condemned persons on who were en route to their execution by, quote, touching them or merely being seen by them, as long as the encounter had not been pre-arranged. As they were seen as embodying the Roman state, they were allowed to give evidence in trials without saying the oath of the state. Furthermore, they were seen as having certain mysterious supernatural powers and abilities, such as being able to stop slaves running away with just a prayer. I mean, that is an impressive, an impressive scale. I mean, impressive skills like that, were they offered special protections? It was believed that as long as the bestial's bodies, quote, remained unpenetrated, the walls of Rome would remain intact. As such, if someone was to assault a bestial, they would were assaulting Rome and its gods, and the punishment for this, as you might imagine, was death. Just, just, a, small, just a small punishment then, really. Just a little tiny one. Yeah. So when did the practice of having these bestial virgins end? So in AD 394, the bestials, like all other non-Christian cults, were banned by Theodosius I. It's something that like, the bestials have kind of become more ingrained in pop culture. Yes. In the last few years. Yeah. Like, obviously they're important, but the pop culture makes them even more so. Yeah, and it makes it, like, you know, pop, popular culture would probably have us believe that one a month was getting buried alive for having a scandalous affair. Yeah, when the likelihood is they were living their best lives, not having to deal with men. Right. It's interesting that lots of them, once they'd completed that 30-year term, renewed. Yeah. Must have felt quite safe, though. You know, they didn't have to 
answer to men they had control over their own property yeah and i guess if that's all they known from being like what eight hmm. you know that they didn't know anything else i guess the idea of going out into the big bad world was terrifying yeah and that's like if you've lived with these women since you were eight or ten their family like your yeah. family outside probably would have felt quite alien mm, definitely especially if men weren't allowed and you know where they were i mean it was a, it was a good life i find it a little bit odd um and i couldn't really find an explanation for it but it said like you weren't allowed to spill their blood that's why they were buried alive the big punishment yeah. Yet they were whipped if the fire went out. Well, surely whipping causes blood to be spilled. I guess it depends how hard. Yeah. And how many times. Yeah. It seemed a bit contradictory. Yeah. Do you but think that if they it. were whipping them and they spilt blood, that the person that was whipping them got punished? You see, I don't know, but my brain wants to know. Yeah. I do feel like it was probably one of the only branches of society that gave women women power and and bodily autonomy yeah i mean it wasn't for them like the reason wasn't for them to have bodily autonomy no no it was in service of rome yeah but it's like an accidental bodily autonomy yeah oops we've accidentally given women power yeah so until next time take care of yourselves and each other (laughs) Thank you.